I always feel like web apps. It's like you. It's like it's like driving a car made of paper. <laughs> it's like a, an incredibly capable car that does all these amazing things, but it feels like it's going to fall apart at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop like this service. <laughs> the, the, John is referring to Zencaster, which we've been using to record these podcasts because it it really is great, and it does like a, a backup of our recording and as a main thing of our recording, and everything is perfectly synced up and all these sorts of things. And it also it feels like it's going to fall apart at every at, at, at every moment, and it sounds great. And yeah, right, because it's recording the mics locally, right? So I use it because you and I are used to recording podcasts, so we could record on our sides perfectly fine. I've been using a lot, though, for for the interviews that we talked about last week, and it's so great to have a way for someone to record their own mic without them realizing they're recording their own mic. And so for that purpose, is it's perfect. Like it's it's the best paper car ever, but it's it's still a paper car. So new Apple stuff, uh, new iPhone SE, and the. Uh they're taking orders, and next week we'll begin shipping the much-awaited, much-anticipated iPad Pro Magic keyboard, which I can it's actually talk we, about. I actually have well, one. Right. Oh, nice. Well, it's interesting, and I want to hear about it. But what's interesting about these two, though, is the strategy around the iPhone is super interesting, and the product is not very interesting at all. Right. <laughs> Whereas the, the 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 keyboard, it's like, yeah, we get it. The strategy, actually, we, you know, we've talked about kind of not sure about the strategy because wish the the ipad had even more from the touch perspective but the product sounds absolutely compelling and incredible yeah they have, we can we don't have to spend a lot of time i feel like the only two ways to talk about the iphone se are to either go really really long which i did it during fireball uh or really really short which is it's a uh, incredible value with the top of the line six month old A13 chip and years and years of legroom ahead of it because it has literally the same CPU and GPU as the thousand uh, dollar iPhone 11 Pro and it only costs four hundred dollars. But on the other hand, it, there is like part of the what makes an iPhone SE and now we have two of them, so I'm calling it a pattern. But what makes an iPhone SE an iPhone SE is that literally nothing in it or about it is new. <laughs> Now, some of the stuff is like six month old. So it is like top of the line new technology, but we did see it all six months ago. And some of it, like the form factor, what it looks like is, you know, five years old. <laughs> it's a very odd mix, but every single thing about it, there's not one single thing that is new. It's interesting because I wrote about the iPhone SE in, a, in an article back. So this is 2016 called Andy Grove and the iPhone SE. And I compare the, the iPhone SE to the Celeron processor which is where Intel was like, you know, yeah, we make these great margins on this high end, but we're going to get killed by the low end. Like that was right after Andy, uh, Andy Grove had met Clay Christensen and worried about, you know, sort of low end disruption. And it led directly to the Celeron processor. And I put the iPhone SE sort of in the same bucket. And I went back and I kind of read this article. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I need to write about it again. <laughs> like that, 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 I think that's, that's what it is. And it's Apple producing the low cost iPhone that everyone said they should produce for ages. And it's produced uh, – and when you produce something low cost, you know, Apple figured out a way to maintain their standards because they're using the same tooling, the same approach that they perfected over years. But because they perfected over years, their cost structure is so much lower than it would be for a brand new phone. Where they have to make all that stuff, all the processes, all the tools, all the machining is all new and they have to recoup those costs. In this case, the factories that make big parts of this are already totally paid for. 
And so they can just churn these out. And the other thing that people forget about is, you know, speaking of Intel, it like people think about chips being expensive. Chips were expensive because Intel yeah. basically had a monopoly, so they could charge a lot of money. The, the actual cost of making a chip is minuscule. Like the, the entire industry is called mm-hmm. Silicon Valley and and because it's yeah. like comes from sand <laughs> and software where you pay a lot up front and then you can use it for free forever. That's basically the virtual right. version of a chip. I thought it was interesting strategically, much more so with, well, not much more so, but there was a specific example that I thought was more telling with the original iPhone SE from four years ago compared to this one, which was you could kind of stare at it and compare it to the form factors of the same shape that came before it and figure out what might have actually been expensive or a pain in the ass to produce. And I'm speaking specifically of the chamfered edge. This is where a lot of people learned the word chamfer. (laughs) And the chamfered edge (laughs) on the iPhone 5 and 5S was different than the chamfered edge on the iPhone SE that they debuted at as the end of that form factor and then stuck with it. And it was a little bit less fancy. Uh, and it just seems very clear in hindsight that it that must have been a pain in the ass or expensive or both. And I don't know that there's anything like that with the new SE compared to the iPhone 8, except that it is sort of the epitome of that design. And I, I feel like the best example of that is the back of the phone, where in the old days, it used to have an Apple logo, and then it would say the word iPhone, and then it would have all this small print with like the model name number, like really, really small print, tiny little small print and, and the serial number and and all of this stuff. And then there'd be little regulatory logos, you know, for like the consumer electronics board and, and all this stuff. And over the years, they, they, they ended up uh, getting those regulatory logos into software. So you have to like turn on the phone and poke around the settings app to get to them. And now they've even removed the word iPhone and it's just down to an Apple logo, perfectly centered, and there's nothing else on the back. And it's really kind of beautiful and elegant. And it's purely aesthetic, but it is, it, it's just such, so cleaner compared to the iPhone 8 and then the 7. And as you go back, even though they're the exact same size, as you go back towards the iPhone 6, there's just more and more crap on the back of the iPhone. It, it's like the, this, what's the word where you reach the, you you refine yes. something the essence it's like the essence yes, of exactly. the shape maybe maybe ease for yes, essence maybe <laughs> but there's not much more to say about it i feel that the uh, the the keyboard and i can actually talk about the keyboard because the embargo is up um the keyboard is actually to me more interesting yeah so i mean the the videos and demo looked, pr- looked pretty amazing like how is that hinge like like you have the heavy thing on there oh i guess is it what no. you expected from watching it or was it no was it, it was very surprising and it first initially crushingly disappointing <laughs> it, it's a it, it's a very strange day one experience with it because i was very much looking forward to it and then i opened it up and i put my it's actually still the review ipad pro the 12.9 inch i have the 12.9 inch keyboard here put it on and it's so much stiffer than i expected both hinges there's the main hinge that tilts the thing back and then the secondary hinge for adjusting the angle once it's open and they're both very stiff much stiffer way stiffer than i expected i expected it or hoped for it to feel like opening a macbook where you just lightly put a finger and you tilt it back and it opens and it isn't it is very it's not just a little different it's a lot different it's just so much different so it was like two hands to like tilt it or something like that you kind of need two hands to open it from a closed position. Huh. And 
once you sort of think about it, you realize, and the best way I can put it is that it has to be this way because even though it's called the magic keyboard, it's not actually magic and it actually is <laughs> it, all of the laws of <laughs> physics and gravity in particular apply to it. And the 12.9 inch iPad is a, is as, as beautiful as it may be is a pretty, it's a lot more yeah, than your so, MacBook screen. It and it is. It, it it has to be different than a MacBook fundamentally, because a MacBook or any other laptop laptop from any company, the top part of the laptop, which is just the screen, is so much lighter than the base where all of the other computer stuff is. That the base is this heavy foundation that allows this light screen to be easily adjustable, whereas the iPad Pro with the Magic Keyboard is inherently top heavy. It has to be. It just is. That's just the nature of what it is. And so therefore the hinges have to be stiffer. And then once you accept that, it went from being very disappointing because it was so much stiffer and not at all like a MacBook to I accepted it is what it is and I love it. It is. The best way to think about it is that it's a stand. It's a portable stand for your iPad. And once you get it adjusted, it just stays there. And then once you have it at the angle you want, you can take the iPad off with one hand. It's, it's, it, it, the magnets are very strong too. The hinges are very stiff and the magnets are very strong, but you can remove it with one hand. But when you do, even though you have to kind of pull hard because the magnetic connection is so strong, the hinge stays exactly where you left it. It is just a, exactly the angle you left it. So you take it off, you walk around with just the iPad, you come back to sit down and use it in laptop mode again, and you just snap it into place and it is exactly at the angle where you left it. Is it is the iPad sort of like encased like around the edges or no. is it just like oh just smacks right on there? It smacks right on. It, it, it smacks on and it smacks on in a way that looks like the keyboard cover they've been selling for years. Right. Um in terms of it doesn't go around the sides at all. It looks like it, but the magnets are so much stronger. So if you're thinking, and I think a lot of people who were worried that once they have this in and they're like sitting on a train or something, once we're allowed to go on trains or buses again, that it's going to fall off while it's on their lap. It The magnets are so much stronger than the other keyboard that they've been selling that it's not even worth comparing. Uh, you can, I, I've, I actually picked it up and just held it upside down holding only the keyboard and the iPad doesn't fall out. Interesting. <laughs> it, it, it is, I, it, I picked it up and only holding the keyboard part, not the iPad and just shook it, just held it up in the air and shook it. And, and not only does the iPad not fall off and lose its magnetic connection, the angle doesn't, <laughs> doesn't change. change. Yeah. No, that's so interesting. This idea where you had it in your head and I, actually the better example than the MacBook lid would be like the, the super XDR display stand or whatever, where you have this huge mm -hmm. thing, you can just use your fingertip to basically move it around. Right. And, yeah. and if you have that in your head, then the stiffness, I can totally imagine how disappointing it is. But if you approach it from the other direction, which is, I really don't want this iPad to go anywhere. Then, right. it, then actually, if it was moving around very easily, it would be terrible. So the, 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 the power of expectations is, is, is really interesting. I think it's worth reducing to three fundamental aspects that hold the iPad in place. The main hinge at the, at the intersection of the top and the keyboard part, the secondary hinge, which is sort of just the angle, you know, the part that folds on the back cover and that creates the illusion that it's floating. And then there's the magnets and all three of those, both hinges and the magnets are 
clearly designed to err on the side of being stronger than they need to be. It's stronger hinges, stronger magnetic connection. It errs on that side. And I think in hindsight, I, or not even hindsight, I just think in one day of use, it is clearly that's the right way to do it. It's a very different beast than a, than a MacBook laptop in practice. What, what's the keyboard like? It's excellent. It, it now it's I'm one day in, and so this could be the the placebo effect. But if anything, it feels like a better keyboard, better feeling keyboard than the 16 inch MacBook Pro or the new MacBook Air. It's yeah, at which, least which as good. by the way, I think I think is a little overrated just because compared to the to what came before, it's like thank goodness we're back to scissor switches. But it's a it's I mean it's it's an oak it's a fine keyboard. It's not anything that that's amazing. So I, I'm actually not surprised to hear that. Well, no laptop keyboard. What's the best laptop keyboard in the world? No, you know, nobody really, if they're thinking of their dream keyboard, usually it's not a laptop keyboard. Yep. But if anything, it's a better keyboard. And it, at the very least, it's as good. But I think it might even be better. It just feels so delightfully clicky. I don't know. It is very, very nice. And it's a nice size. Uh, the, the bigger thing, the thing that takes more adjusting to is the very small trackpad. But, it, you know, it's it's significantly smaller than any MacBook's trackpad. But in practice, one day in, it's fine. And it has a nice click to it, even though it's a virtual click like the magic trackpads on the MacBooks. But it, it actually is so clicky, even virtually, that it uh, makes a clicky noise. It, uh, you know, it actually... It's quite clicky. <laughs> I bet this was another expectation problem for you because you were testing the trackpad support with the Magic Trackpad, which is a very, right. which is very large. Whereas if right. you had gotten to use the the trackpad support with this trackpad from the beginning, you're going from zero to wow, there's a trackpad, as opposed to going yeah. from Magic Trackpad and shrinking it down. So it's like the same expectation game. It does. It also, it very much, and I know 300 and 350 bucks for the 12.9 inch version. It's a premium price for a keyboard connection thing, but, but it, feels, it like feels, it, it feels like it, it really does. It, it feels like a $300 device. And for somebody who really wants to do a lot of their typing type work on their iPad, I think it's going to prove to be phenomenally popular. I'm curious if this, I've always gotten the large iPad cause I use it for my drawings. But I, I I almost feel like this keyboard is going to be even more compelling in the small size, particularly if it's like as sturdy and useful as it is. Like I think it might make, make it'll feel like the 11 inch MacBook Air back in the day that was your favorite. Like all this capability and power in such a small package. And I own an 11 inch iPad. That's my personal iPad Pro, and I've already ordered one for myself to use, and I can't wait to get it. I don't have it yet, but that's exactly why I'm thinking of it. Is that man for like airplanes and all the places where you really want like a tiny little. 11 inch thing apple doesn't make a macbook in that size this could be it and i will just add one more thing 